Hello and welcome back to Coast to Coast FC, the Canadian soccer podcast focusing all things CPL, Canadian Championship, and more. My name is Felipe Ojejo. And I'm Mike Rice. And today we're going to go over a lot of news. There was a lot of news coming out of CPL and Canadian soccer in the last week or so. So much that we're going to have it jam-packed today in this episodes. We're going to go over some contract situations, some shocks in terms of players leaving, players joining. We're going to talk a little bit about Champions Cup and some of the CPL team of the season choices that the CPL went with that we're going to be discussing at the very end. But before we dive into everything, remember to follow us on all our socials, aka Insta, Threads, Facebook, and Twitter at Coast to Coast FC as well as wherever you get your sp- your podcasts, like Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, so that you know exactly when we upload. But let's start with some of the more breaking news, the more pressing matters. Let's talk about the roster decisions, and we'll go first with Halifax. The big one coming out of Halifax, obviously, was Doniel Henry has left Halifax at the end of 2023 season. Now, this is something, obviously, Mike, we've discussed that at length about whether we would, you know, if we were in charge of Halifax, which we're not, but if we were in charge, (laughs) uh, would we keep on on Daniel Henry? Yeah, not yet. Um, (laughs) Because obviously he's experienced. He's a Canadian men's national team international. But we've talked about the fact that he hasn't played all that much and a bit of his own temperament. Is he the leader that Halifax and Patrice Geyser wants for the team? In the end, it seems that our, I guess we could say we had some reservations towards it were merited mm. by the end because he did leave and he left with not all that much to show for beyond uh, a, a couple of appearances uh, on the CPL socials and then obviously some substitute appearances here and there. He only uh, clocked in, I believe it was uh, 420 minutes across 14 appearances. And you did mention to me right before we started recording that only three of them were more than half an hour. Given this uh, news, do you think that's the right move for Patrice moving forward, especially now that he has a, a solid ba- base and foundation for this team? Yeah, I mean, we, we were expecting um, Kael Lockery to, to stick around. Um, obviously, he's got um, his renewal dynamic still there. And I mean, I, I guess we'll have to wait and keep an eye on the news coming out of Halifax. But if they're quite happy, if they're letting... Uh, Daniel Henry go. Does this maybe suggest that uh, Dan Nimick might be uh, sticking around for another season? Maybe they are quite confident, knowing that okay, we, we can let Daniel leave because we've got two starters. We'll bring someone out. We've got other players or eyes on other players to come in um, and to fill the hole that will be left um, on the roster um, with Daniel Henry leaving. Um, Possibly that's something that they've looked ahead to and thinking, yeah, we've got these two young starters who at the moment we can rely on and we can get someone learning from them. Yeah, yeah. And I think you, that's a great point about Dan Nimick there. Obviously, they feel pretty certain that they can hold on to Dan Nimick for at least another year, uh, given that they're letting an experienced center back go. And now it's yeah, a question of who are you going to bring in and that sort of eye of recruitment to make sure that you still have that leader presence because well maybe on the pitch we didn't see all that much of Doniel Henry 
we could see some of his presence in the little that we saw sneak peek back behind the scenes stuff on the CPL like social media that he does have a presence. He does have that leadership presence. He does mm -hmm. like to, you know, keep the mood happy and cheerful, but at the same time also, you know, serious and dedicated. You need to have somebody come in and replace that, that leadership quality off the pitch uh, to continue to go. Cause it's a, still a rather young squad. I mean, you also have yeah. Jao Morelli who's leaving. You had Mo Omar who's leaving. You have a lot of players that have, that are the experienced heads at Halifax who are leaving the club right now. You got to bring in some experience because as we saw with both Valor and Vancouver FC relying on the youth can only get you so far in mm. terms of, you know, your positions, you need some experienced heads in there for when the going gets tough. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, that, that gap in leadership there for Halifax. Daniel Henry wasn't the only player though that left Halifax. We also got some surprise names in Teo Colom, Armand Wilson, Christian Campagna, and Jake Ruby. Those were the names that, for I, I guess, for us really stood out there, especially for me, Teo Colom, Armand Wilson, and Jake Ruby, because Teo Colom didn't play all that much. Obviously, Coimbra, I think, is sort of the number one striker for Halifax. He played more, 917 minutes, Thiago Coimbra clocked in with three goals. Dale Colum scored more goals than Tiago Coimbra with four goals in less in less time in only 586 minutes. So his goal to game ratio is goals per 90, you could say. It was actually better than Tiago Coimbra, mm -hmm. but maybe there was some, maybe it didn't fit in the system quite as well, or maybe Patrice Geyser likes what Coimbra does for the team, not necessarily on the stats as a goal scorer, just as a pure goal scorer. Maybe it's the way that he works for the team. I know you are a big fan of Teo Coimbra. Yeah. And did you think with then the decision for Teo Colom to leave Halifax that now Teo Coimbra is pretty much the starter striker for Halifax moving forward, unless they sign somebody else to come in and, and replace that? Yeah, it's going to need a new signing, isn't it? Now to to um, which I'm sure we'll see in Halifax. There'll definitely be those coming in, but uh, I just assume Tekelom's he's he's not fitted in exactly with the system we saw him get the starts earlier in the year. Um, and like you say, he got some goals. That fantastic one, which I remember Alex bringing up for goal of the season. Oh, from yeah, that long, fantastic. long ball from Dan Nimick took it first time beautifully, but just didn't quite fit in in that centre forward role, I think, from what um Patrice Guys is trying to get out of his forwards, um, as centre forwards. So I can only assume he didn't fancy um he did personally probably didn't fancy a backup role again next year. Um and maybe they're looking at other ways of other players coming in who could fulfill what Patrice Geyser is after. Um I'd assume because it's yeah he's a decent enough player. Um would have been a useful depth piece, but I guess that had, probably doesn't suit both parties. Um, the same, I guess, like like you mentioned there, like um, Jake Ruby, players like that. I just thought they might want that consistency of depth mm. pieces, like we said before. It's quite. It was a surprise to see so many players um, depart once again. Yeah, and you look at you know Teo Colom, Christian Campagna, Jake Ruby. All of them are BC natives, and there are two <laughs> teams in BC now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at, you know, Teo Colom 
as a striker option for potentially Vancouver FC. Obviously, Vancouver FC had their issues with having a backup striker that wasn't happy being a backup striker in Sean <laughs> Hondo. But, you know, with Huero Diaz's deal only for half of the season next season, maybe Teo Coloma would be willing to fight for in the first half and then the second half, you know, kind of proving himself to be the number mm-hmm. one Pacific FC as well. We don't know much about their movement right now, but maybe they'll have a spot for a striker for Teo as well. Jake Ruby, a great uh, defensive option on the, on the wing. And... Christian Campagna, I mean, obviously his brother as well has been released by the Vancouver Whitecaps. What are they going to do? Are they going to maybe show up on the same team together? There's a lot of potential for these players. I mean, Armand Wilson was other surprise because he was one of the players that Patrice guys are relied on for those under 21 minutes. Mm. And from what little that we saw of him, or it wasn't even that little. Uh, it was still quite quite a number of, of minutes, if I, I recall. Yeah, towards uh, the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. it was like three. I'm um, seeing here 336 minutes. So a nice chunk of minutes. He did mm. relatively well. He got a goal uh, in, in those minutes as well. There's a lot of options in the CPL for them to, you know, be able to go and find maybe, like you said, more consistent minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny for me, obviously, somebody from BC, so many BC players. Yeah. That I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to start to see some of these players, you know, <laughs> back home in their in their home ground on their home home turf. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, it, it, it's still baffling. I find, but if anyone's going to do it, Patrice Geyser will. I just thought he would quite prefer a little less upheaval <laughs> than he had to deal with on his first uh, first time round. But yeah, these players are definitely going to... Um, I mean, we've seen Valor make moves already, um, who we'll go into, but a lot of these other clubs now have we've got we're getting York United, um, York's roster through. Um, we're still waiting on Forge, but everyone else seems to have settled with the current crop of players who's staying and who's going. So now we'll we'll see where these guys might turn up. Yeah, like you say, um, in the next few weeks, coming months, I guess. Yeah, I think they're definitely, you know, for the most part, good enough to stay within the CPL and uh, yeah, maybe in different systems uh, they might flourish a bit more. We talked a little bit about that last week as well. And with somebody like Patrice Geyser, I'm sure he has a, like the way that he thinks he knows his system so much. I'm sure he has basically like a, like a table where it says fits the system, doesn't fit the system. (laughs) And he just puts names on either side of it. And then he's like, these guys can go, these guys have to stay. Um, That's the kind of manager I can honestly see him being. He just knows exactly what he wants. Yeah. But moving on away from Halifax, we're going to go to the other shocking uh, departures that we saw from another team. And this one, obviously, Mike hit a little close to home for you because (laughs) it was Valor FC letting go some of the players that we both thought when we were talking about players that are in talks to resign will definitely resign or at the very least. If they don't re-sign, it's because they're moving on to bigger and better things, maybe in a different league, MLS, Europe, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But we found out uh, earlier this week that it was not the case. And some huge names coming out of Valor in this exodus. Diego Gutierrez being <clears throat> one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Mateo de Brienne being arguably the biggest one. <laughs> Obviously, we have... Andrew Jean-Baptiste, who's been there for a while. Walter Ponce, that I know that you were a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, Pianelli, Andy Baccaro, and the one that I was pretty fond of, Clyde Cella. All of those players have officially left Valor FC. 
And I know I have my own thing points that I want to talk to, but I want to give the floor to you, Mike. First of all, what did you what was your reaction when you saw this 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 bomba drop of all of these departures? And then what are you now thinking for the future of Valor? Because it was looking good with all of these new signings. Mm. But then this news hit. And has this changed your perspective on how 2024 might be for Valor? Yeah, Um Mateo de Brienne, let's get that bar the way. I, I think that was destined. He was going like yeah, that was on the cards. We knew like we knew he was going to Ottawa. That's a really exciting chapter for him and the club. Um uh, Ottawa, that is not valid. <laughs> like to get back uh, to his home, um get back back home. Um he's gonna um really add to that left side over there. Um and I'm sure we'll go more into detail of that because that's a really, really exciting signing in the league. Um but Diego Gutierrez, like you say, that's the the biggest shock for me. Um a lot of these players, uh, Jean-Baptiste, Pianelli, Clyde Cella, had their injury issues. And we said last week, some of these players, they need to prove they're going to be fit enough or, yeah, you'll cut them because you can't rely on what like, the issues they had last year in defence with the amount of injuries. You can't rely on those players unless you're 100% sure that they're over them. But Diego Gutierrez, I mean, he's a fan favorite. <laughs> like he, you're you're going through a really difficult time in Valor, um, getting bums on seats. <laughs> there's plenty of uh, there's, there's plenty of challenges they've got there to make sure that the fans keep coming back, and they've started to bring in some players, and maybe they were getting a little bit interested. Um, but then if you take away these fan favorites, then. I don't know how much. I mean, obviously, we've we've uh, seen that Diego Gutierrez did get a, a a substantial offer from the club, but he himself has decided to leave. Um, but yeah, that's it. Was a that I mean, for me, that was the most shocking one. I mean, where where do you see him going from here? I've I've been look reading um, online. Obviously, he'll have suitors in the CPL. You doubt another player um, comments, or maybe he'd be interested in going. Down into the down into leagues in Chile, um, whereas I believe his twin brother is playing. I can't remember uh, exactly, but um, bits of him reading. But yeah, what do you see for Diego Gutierrez? Why why do you think he's chosen to uh, move on? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I guess I guess that kind of plays into what I was talking about. I mean, I posted on on my on my Twitter about specifically Mateo de Brian, but you could say also for Diego and some of these other players, where it's did they leave? because uh, they have already on the table better offers that Valor simply can't compete with, or did they leave because they don't believe that the Valor is the place where they can continue and evolve their careers. And so they decided to preemptively Mm -hmm. take a step back because, okay, with Mateo, everyone knew sort of where he was going to end up, which was at Ottawa, which we'll talk about more a bit more at length later. But for Diego Gutierrez, even in the statement for Valor, they said they made substantial offers for both Mateo and Diego to stay at Valor. For him to turn that down, you would think that either he already has a club in mind and he already has an offer on the table that we're probably going to find out about in the coming days, mm-hmm. or he simply is moving on from this chapter of his career and doesn't feel like this is the place where he can you know, really grow and evolve his game as one of the better players of the cpl he was you know at the heart of my underrated 11 and i genuinely believe that he's one of the most underrated players in the league 
Um, and I feel like any CPL team, bar maybe Halifax with Lorenzo Caligari, um, mm. would welcome Diego Gutierrez to be that, you know, that six, that rock in the midfield. If it is to be a CPL team, then I guess that kind of answers the question of maybe Diego Gutierrez isn't doesn't necessarily believe in the project right now at Valor. Mm. If it's somewhere else, like at the MLS, or maybe even like you said in Chile, where him and his brother uh, are are originally from, or I think that's what their their family's from, then that might be a different case. There might be other reasons outside of that. But I know a lot of people were upset at this mm. news on my social media. I mean, I tweeted about <laughs> it and there were like the, the Valor fans came in droves in my replies talking about how disappointed they were with the club. They're how disappointed the, mm. they were with the direction that the club was going to, which I mean, you can obviously understand. Sure. Uh, a lot of people might say it's reactionary, Yeah, but these are some of your best players. Mm. And it looked like you were building something really special with some of the, these signings that you were making, you know, the first team to make, basically a proper signing before, you know, Mateo and Ottawa and not only make one, but make four signings. And now, you know, I guess now you can understand a little bit why they made uh, these signings early. Maybe they knew ahead of time that a lot of these players that were either very important or at least, you know, some solid squad depth were leaving the club. And, now it kind of throws a bit of a wrench in the plans of a lot of Valor fans uh, on how, what expectations they're, they want to have. Obviously they want to reach the, get over that hump of making the the playoffs for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if uh, this kind of uh, helps those hopes by having some of your best players leave like this. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where Diego Gutierrez goes and even players mm-hmm. like Walter Ponce. I thought Walter Ponce is a great, depth piece for them he's you know we've we've said all the time before he's not a, he's not a striker but he's a, he's an effective uh goal threat off the wing and he's he's mm-hmm. scored some pretty nice goals for valor over there over his time there uh to see him leave is surprising and like andy baquero a little bit as well i like you mentioned maybe injuries are playing into mm-hmm. why jean baptiste cella and pianelli left but now that this has dropped you know, this bomb has dropped. Mm. We know where Debrian is going. We know that all these players have left. Where do Valor go from here for you, Mike? What is the next step? Because a lot of people are losing faith quickly in Valor. Uh, it, it was <laughs> almost as quickly as they were gathering faith through their signings. Yeah. They're losing it as quickly now through <laughs> all of these departures. Where do Valor go from here to kind of instill confidence in the team that's saying, don't worry, we got a plan. It's, I'm always nervous to say because it's been about an hour or so since Valor put out a press release of a player coming or going. So by the time we finish recording, <laughs> we'll they'll have a few new players, no doubt. But I mean, those those signings they brought in, uh, three of them especially attacking pieces that were going to be there to complement these other players, you, you would have presumed at first. They had a decent defensive record despite the um, injuries at the beginning of the season. Uh, but they struggled getting the ball forward. They struggled with goals. So you saw them adding these pieces. But now, yeah, now now we can see, okay, well, now half's the job's done. Okay, we've got some new forwards. Um, with the There's no, um, I haven't seen confirmation if Pacific Nyongabire is staying, but he hasn't been 
in this list of players going. So maybe him and Kean Williams now have a few extra players alongside them um, in the attack. But now they've got to rebuild this defence. And luckily, I guess, for Valor fans, you can look at, okay, Polisi and uh, Dante Campbell, very good defensive midfielders. You've At least you've still got that pivot there. But Gutierrez was a quality player. And like as much as people from outside of Valor can say, yeah, but this these players helped you finish bottom. So uh, why are you getting, maybe why are you getting so attached? The, the, it's not just the individuals that forced that. It was, the, there's so many, like it was the group as a whole. So there are players there that can and will perform at better levels. And Gutierrez is one of them, imagine. And for Valor, it's going to be just when you thought, okay, wow, an exciting beginning like of the off season. Now we can like think about what's going to happen. Now it's going to be another month of okay. Now there's going to be more and more and more signings, and we're going down the Halifax route from last year, and we'll see if Phil De Santos can do the same as Patrice Geiser did. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see. But I do like, obviously, you mentioned uh, not directly, but you mentioned Gutierrez and Halifax in the same sentence. And with Mo Omar going, imagine that putting him alongside uh, Lorenzo Caligari uh, for him. Like, A double pivot Halifax. of Diego Gutierrez and Lorenzo <laughs> Caligari, having one be that kind of regista playmaker and the other one being the hard hitting. Oh, wow. You're selling me a dream right there, Mike. That's for the lovers of and... football. That might be an incredible duo right there. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I think. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely room for him in any most teams um, across the CPL, and Andy Vicero, I think as well, would be um, someone I'm kind of half imagine you might see down in Vancouver, um, mm. decent right back um, who you don't have to rely on because Caden Chung can play there at times, but you can also get him back into midfield and have a, like a decent seasoned um, fullback. Um, yeah, that could be something, but yeah, we'll have to see for these players. But yeah, big, big changes, and it's going to be uh, all or nothing. It's a, it's like an all or nothing throw the dice from Phil De Santos, isn't it? It's, he's got one chance to um to go for it, and he's really going for it. <laughs> yeah, I think he very much was under the impression that next year like it's a make or break so i'm going to make sure that mm. i either make it or break it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and going full into it letting you know making this maybe a bit of a painful rebuild for for valor right now and we'll see <laughs> if uh if his vision actually gets them to new heights and qualifying for playoffs or if it's a little bit more of the same for valor i'm hoping it's uh the former for your sake and for all of <laughs> the Valor fans out there as well. But uh, we got to talk about Matteo Debrienne coming mm. to Ottawa because, of course, he was going to go back from Ottawa. The player that played for the Fury when they were still, uh, you know, functioning, the player that came into Ottawa is how he burst onto the scene. He obviously got uh, traded to uh, Valor, and that's where he'd been the last two years. But now he returns to his hometown club, back to where all his friends and family are at Atletico Ottawa and well obviously this is a, a easy guess of what it happens of like what what would have happened uh, if Matteo left uh, Valor I still think that this is an exciting signing for mm. Atletico because of he kind of fits everything yeah. that Ottawa, uh, Ottawa are missing last year in terms of an exciting attacking dynamic player and he is exactly with that he is an exciting a dynamic attacking 
player. We've seen that he's good as a wing back. He we've seen that he's good as a winger, but especially with the way that they like to play, you know, Carlos Gonzalez a more counterattacking football. There are a few players in the league, I think, who might be as useful for that style of play than Mateo de Brienzo. He, coming in, obviously, Carlos Gonzalez was super excited uh, on the press release. He even say, stated he encompasses all the aspects that we are looking for when building our squad. It's like competitive mentality and talent, as well as proven experience and a sense of belonging. And I saw his little interview that he did with Charlie O'Connor Clark, uh, who has been on the show before uh, on CPL talking about how Mateo, the reason why he, he left and it was, he did mention it was a tough choice to leave mm. uh, Valor. He looked at, you know, all the offers on the table. He spoke with his agent and he went for the destination that he said would hold a more volatile environment was his, was his wording, <laughs> which was interesting. Cause I usually don't see mm. that as a, as a as a plus as a as a, a positive thing uh but maybe <laughs> in his mind it is but i clearly i think what he's saying is that it's an it's a, it's a new challenge and it's a more exciting challenge than maybe the one that he saw at valor and honestly i think maybe he he has a point especially if he can be that focal point of the attack now uh for ottawa the one that you know when you are counterattacking, he's the one that you can rely on to burst through the lines mm. of defense and get you through on goal in just a matter of seconds that is the kind of player that he can be we've seen how how useful he can be for valor in that as well so i mean for you obviously upset a little bit maybe that he <laughs> left valor but <laughs> in your mind how great is debrian as a signing for ottawa yeah 100 percent is when Valo counter and when they've been defending deep and break forward Maxime Tissot is, uh, is a really good player he, he's not he's not got that pace that Debrian has got all of a sudden uh, Oli Bassett and Sam Salter will be like they'll be licking their lips at the fact that there's going to be this extra runner at all times going forward when when um, Atletico Auto a break and it's just going to that's one of the key things like we've spoken about uh, how Carlos Gonzalez, yeah, he probably will stick to his philosophies, but he needs to evolve it a bit. And having someone like him um, on the left-hand side is going to be vital. Um, it's really going to help. On the right-hand side, we're going to have to see what happens. Um, obviously, Jean Anielsi is left CF Montreal, whether he'll be back. If you could imagine the two of those as your wing-backs. He's done a great job with Jean Anielsi, getting him defensively much stronger. But he's got the pace and the flair going forward. If you have that on both wings now, that really, really does open up the field a bit more for um, Ottawa because they know previously you just got to get a little bit more compact, play central because when they break, it's been Oli Bassett <laughs> and the, the runners haven't been able to keep up at times. Um, so yeah, this really does look quite, it just looks really exciting, doesn't it? For a team that... Are, going to be very defensive <laughs> and there's going to be times when you will them on to be a little bit more like aggressive off the ball but when they do break now that you're, you're going to be sat there just waiting for it to happen and the pace that they could go with is going to be uh really dangerous and yeah i think that's exactly what they need to get themselves back up the table next season yeah, and then that's the biggest thing is making sure that they can get back up the table. And that's what we mentioned with Ottawa is that they have to make this pre postseason slash preseason the 2024 count. Mm -hmm. 
because they can't let what happened at the end of 2023 happen again, both for Carlos, Carlos Gonzalez's career and his, mm. his, his management tenure at Atletico Ottawa and for their own sort of long-term growth. They want to be fighting at the top with a big three that, that I, I, we've mentioned before on the podcast. And a signing like this, a marquee signing like Matteo mm. de Brienne, you know, signing the under 20, the reigning under 21 player of the year, is exactly moving in that direction and having not only just for the how great he is but having it also be a great signing for the local fans for the supporters group because he's a local boy i'm sure a lot of players mm-hmm. uh, or a lot of fans rather know him personally from maybe supporting ottawa fury and when he started out at i think ottawa so it's a great signing all around for ottawa and i think you know Next season, we might be seeing Debrienne light it up even more in the CPL. I just hope that Carlos Gonzalez knows how to capture uh, the that uh, that exciting uh, essence mm-hmm. that Debrienne brings and doesn't sort of clip his wings because of the style that they like to play. I hope they really mm-hmm. rely on him as that exciting wing player that can burst down that left side and 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 cause chaos. That's what I hope we continue to see from Debrienne uh, and maybe see him hone his game a little bit more, maybe be mm. a bit more creative, be a bit, have a bit better vision in the final third. That's what I'm hoping to see as his career continues to evolve until 2025, which is his deal with Atletico mm. Ottawa. Obviously, unless a bigger team from outside of the league comes in and swoops him up ahead of his second season. But <laughs> As, as things stand right now, it's two seasons in Ottawa, and hopefully we see the best of the two seasons for Matteo de Brienne at Atletico Ottawa. We're going for the final sort of contract updates. Uh, coming out of York United, obviously a big one is Captain Roger Thompson retires from uh, football. So he is leaving York United as a retiree. Uh, something that we we've seen before. Obviously, Jordan Wilson, who now is a, a, pre, a presenter at at One Soccer. Uh, I don't know really what's going to happen with him. I haven't seen any news if he's going to stay with the club in some uh, like coaching regard or something like that. He's mentioned before, I believe, in interviews that he would like to stay close to York United in some capacity. Um, but you could sort of see that he had some injury issues uh, this mm. season at York United. Didn't clock too many minutes. He did. You know, for the last two seasons, clock over a thousand CPL minutes uh, in the in these last two seasons under Martin Ash, which is more than he ever got uh, beforehand. You know, because he's been there since 2019, since so the very first season. So it's he has original, been, yeah. yeah, he's 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 another you know day one OG <laughs> player, and you know we're starting to see that a lot of those aren't we we're not we're not going to see too many of those much left as mm. as years go by. You know, especially if Forge FC start to recycle some some of those most experienced players that we have no idea about because we haven't heard a peep yeah. out of Hamilton so far in this post slash preseason. But yeah, Roger Thompson clocked uh, 1,166 minutes. He got one goal, a crucial goal, uh, away at Halifax. It was a game winner that helped York clinch or help get on their way to clinching their playoffs in 2023. So he was a obviously a very influential presence at mm. york united and will be missed i'm sure by a lot of the fans at york united and hopefully we see him stay close to the club uh in the coming seasons they did sign some six players on options for 2024 
those including Brem Sumaro, Matthew Baldissimo, Noah Batne, Austin Ricky, Caden Martin Perot, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, Markian Wojcikowski, I believe, is the Ukrainian <laughs> guy. Um, I Yeah, Markian is probably how yeah. I'll continue to just call him. Uh, but six <laughs> players that they have signed on for the new season. Any surprises for you, Mike, or are these kind of straightforward, the ones that you were expecting to come in for 2024 under Martin Nash. Yeah, I mean, uh guy got injured. I mean, he was going to be a key for their under 21 minutes, I think, um, last season, and that got taken out of his and um, Martin Nash's hands. So it's nice to see that he's getting um, getting the chance again this season to get himself fit and going, and let's see where uh, see where he can get. I mean, I uh, we mentioned in the. Um, playoff game when uh, York uh, lost to Pacific. Uh, Caden martin Perot was brilliant at left-back, really mm. kept um, different forwards. Uh, I think he came up against three different forwards of Pacific in that game and kept them relatively quiet until the last moments where he just got beaten by Adonijah Reed um, for the goal. But he really stood out and coming into a difficult situation, so it's nice to see um, Noah Betne as well. And Brem Samaru was really vital i think he was a fantastic um player in the middle of the park there i think came in sort of expecting him to be a center back i think if memory says um but got pushed up into that dm role and yeah he was fantastic um austin ricci and matthew boldissimo yeah we'll see i i, I wasn't sure <laughs> i i assume they'd be coming back i don't think i was um I mean, maybe some York United fans may be screaming at me saying I'm I'm missing something, but I don't think they were like the vitalist pieces, but I think Brem Sumari was the key one to get in over the line quickly. I mean, that's essentially a midfield right there between Austin Rick, mm. Richie, Brem Sumaro, and Matthew Baldissimo, yeah. the one that could be a starting midfield for them. So obviously tying those deals down. Mm. Noah Botney, I think, was always you know, a no-brainer for them. He was... Yeah. Uh, one of their best defensive options and such a young player as well, you know, the, the uh, under 21 minutes, uh, he came in and, and impressed and was why he was in our under 21 team of the seasons. Uh, mm. I think, yeah. And like you said, the, U the Ukrainian, uh, Markian, uh, again, not going to attempt his last name. Uh, we didn't see much of him because of his long-term injury. I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more of him, uh, in the coming season because he looked like an exciting little player. And mm. yeah, I was super, super happy for Caden Martin Perot because he impressed a lot towards the end. And I wouldn't be surprised if mm. in 2024 we see a lot more of him at that left back position. Obviously, you know, with Petrasso leaving uh, York United as well earlier, it, it's great mm. to see somebody like him to be able to come into the team and be able to fight for that starting place and be a really solid young player for York United. That's sort of the way that the new ownership wants to move in young Canadian yeah. players. So he fits that profile perfectly. So exactly. that's not surprising for him to be re-signed. But yeah, with York United, some of the options that they've taken, uh, it looks like they're not changing all too much from last season, which mm. some people might have been surprised about given the change in ownership. But it looks like for, for the most part, this this transition to new ownership is going very slowly very smoothly <laughs> seamlessly not too much change you know a lot, a lot of people don't like change uh, but it seems so far <laughs> uh, they've been doing it in a very tasteful manner uh so we'll see maybe in uh 
2024 uh, if York United will uh, maybe impress a bit more and use some of that passion that we saw mm. in 2023 and uh, turn it into a bit more of a tangible result, like a few more wins and some more points on the table under Martin Nash. I mean, it's going to be interesting because, like you mentioned, obviously, you know, Betne getting his his contract, but Roger Thompson's retired. Tass Mordekudis has left. Um, so he's going to need a new centre-back partner. Uh, <laughs> um, we're assuming Paris G's um, returning next year. Um, I can't remember if, what his contract situation was, whether it was he's up next year or he had an option for this year. I've, it's, that's gone out of my head now, but there's going to be changes in that defense just like in Vela there's going to be a bit of a change around there so it'll be interesting to see who the ownership bring in whether we see some more sort of interleague moves into York or whether that's where they're going to um, target their sort of international scouting um, to bring in a player in that sort of position yeah yeah, we'll see uh, in 2024 what more surprises we might be getting uh, for York United. <laughs> but now we're going to move on to a little bit of a transfer rumor. Uh, we sometimes talk about these, but this one was a, a big, obviously, story that came out, which was Rubens Passius, somebody that I've had the pleasure of seeing up close and personal when I worked for Forge, is leaving Forge FC. He made a little goodbye message on his personal Instagram. We have no official word to, to uh, at least to date that, that I know of mm. from Forge FC confirming this, but pretty much it's confirmed from a personal point of view uh, since it came straight from his Instagram. Yeah. And then Manuel Veth came out that sources apparently say that he is heading to Nashville. Nashville is a team that loves to get some Canadian players uh, in their ranks yeah recently so that one shouldn't be too much of a surprise but yeah i mean it's a it's a player that for me personally i thought would be heading to mls honestly a bit sooner i thought this mm. season he would already be at an mls team uh obviously he did not and he stayed uh at forge scored 10 goals kind of came alive in the second half of the season and proved like, once again why he's one of the most lethal uh strikers in the league now he's looks like he's finally going to get the rewards for all his efforts and move to uh, a bigger league and a bigger club. And Nashville, you know, is a team that at the end of last season, MLS kind of floundered a little bit. It's a, a lot of people were saying that it was a one-man team that when Hani Mukhtar wasn't playing, they didn't look the same. Maybe yeah. having somebody like Wubens Passius come in as a super sub or as a player that you kind of chuck in at the end of the game where you're trailing, he's the kind of player that can score those important goals. He's he's sort of a clutch player and still being as young as he is to be able to have that on the team is super useful. Do you see that if Wubens Passius does go to Nashville, do you see him playing a bigger part than some people might expect from a CPL product? It's a, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, Nashville, looking at um, looking at all the teams that you can imagine across um, across MLS, they're, they, they're not the most exciting for a striker at times. Um, and they've really struggled with getting forwards performing. Um, they've spent a lot of money um, on a few notable players who have come in and they've just been desperate to get rid of. Um, so, and the way they play, they want a big man up front. Sam Surridge is that. They, they, he's got this chance now as their latest uh, DV to come in there. And 
that you've got Harney Mukhtar playing off of him. So I'm unsure where they see Ruben Spicius um, playing. If uh, if that's the case, if he was to come there, is he a backup for Sam Surridge? Is he now going to become a wide player? Um, so if that goes through, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really curious one for me. Um, especially coming from Forge where you're a possession heavy team to go to a side who's quite happy to just sit off the ball and counter um, so I wouldn't really anticipate him I don't think when he go in most teams he's not going to just stroll into MLS and start picking up sort of 60-75 uh, minutes a game just uh, and things like that I, I, he's, that's not going to happen I think you've got to be realistic in in thinking that but of all the clubs, I'd be really, I'm really surprised by the Nashville link. Yeah. And like, I'm looking at the stats now and you're right about the striker issues. I mean, Hani Mukhtar got 15 goals because of course he did. Uh, it's <laughs> Hani Mukhtar. Uh, but looking at some of the striker options, Fafa Pico, who left Nashville, got five goals only in 27 games. Mm. Uh, Teal Bunbury only got three goals in 31 games. And That's Sam Surge, who came obviously late mm. halfway through the season, only got two goals in nine games played. Yeah. So prior to that, you got CJ Sapong, Ake Loba. Uh, I mean, it's it's really it's really not worked for yeah. almost every striker in that um, on that roster. So yeah, uh, as a young forward going into MLS and making a step up, you've got to be careful where you choose. Um, and if it turns out to be Nashville and if he turns out to go there, good luck to him. Like, I hope it really, really hope it works out, but it's a, uh, yes, it's an odd one for me. <laughs> Maybe he's it as a challenge, you know, because he knows that strikers have come and gone there. Haven't really uh, been able to set a light. Maybe he sees himself as being that player that behind Perfect. Hani Mukhtar can be that kind of goal getter for them. Maybe just for those clutch goals. I don't know if I see him scoring, you know, 10 plus goals uh, in the season like he has been with Forge the last two seasons. Mm. But maybe in his first season, he can get more than five, uh, like the second most, uh, the second highest goal scorer for Nashville. And, you know, Sam Surge, we'll see how he does at the starting striker. Obviously, he's a DP. He will start as a starting striker. Yeah. But, you know, maybe... Casillas with Bunbury. Bunbury did not have a very good season. Maybe he's a he would get be above the pecking order from Bunbury. Maybe he would be the 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 option, the deputy for Sam Surge. You know, late in games that they're needing it. So I I, I honestly maybe I'm I'm always a little positive on everybody. And obviously, <laughs> X X Forge players are gonna be extra positive about and hopeful for. But I genuinely see him being able to do a job there and grow into something special. And you never know what might happen. Obviously, Sam Surge is still relatively young. I believe he's 28. Um, uh, he's No, not even. He's 25. Wow. He's yeah. he's, he's quite young for, for a DP striker coming from England. So, mm. women's passes, yeah, we'll definitely have to fight for his place. That's not an aging player that eventually will phase out. No, he needs, he, he has his work cut out for him. But I generally see him being able to do a job in Nashville and will be another case, hopefully, of a successful CPL product coming out of CPL, going into MLS, and uh, setting the league uh, alight a little bit. Now we're going to move on to a little bit of a preview. Again, there's so many things that were going on, so we're just going to go straight one after the other after the other. We're going to go into a little bit of a preview for the Champions Cup draw. We obviously saw a CONCACAF Champions Cup draw, and we saw the three Canadian teams 
draw get you know seal their fates against some new opponents well for most of them new opponents uh whitecaps it's they're playing an old foe in tigres cavalry mm-hmm. are playing for the first time a cpl team is facing an mls american side yeah. in orlando city and forge are facing uh, a Mexican giants and arguably one of the toughest teams that you can get in 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 the CONCACAF Champions Cup. I was kind of hoping that they were going to maybe get a bit of an easier draw, but mm-hmm. facing Chivas, Guadalajara, the, like one of the top teams historically in the league. I guess if there's any team to face and be a giant killer in the league, you would say forge fc are going to be that team so super excited obviously for that tie but those are the ties in round one of the kanko calf champions cup and we can talk a little bit about each of the ties but some of the bigger news coming out of it is where those ties are going to (laughs) be at least for the home teams a lot of people from you know the mls side of canadian soccer were laughing earlier last week because it was announced that cavalry were unable to host their home leg in alberta not just in calgary in alberta (laughs) proper because of weather concerns because of uh certain availability issues because you know some other stadiums uh were not concacaf sanctioned so as much as you try as they uh, would might be able to find a, a a ground in alberta that they could play it so they could have the home fans there they were unable to and so they had to move their game to starlight stadium and I know from, you know, somebody in the white cap circles as well, a lot of people are saying, oh, that sucks. Imagine playing away from home at like a concaf <laughs> like that, you know, basically like that couldn't be us. Well, lo and behold, a few days later, <laughs> Vancouver Whitecaps <laughs> also announced that they will be playing their home leg on the island at Starlight Stadium because of, and wait for it, a home and garden show that was <laughs> planned uh in that weekend in that period there um from what i know of the whitecaps they discussed with tigres to see if they could switch around but because tigres were the higher seeded team they were on a they basically would have been giving up their advantage for being the higher seeded team Mm -hmm. so well within their right they said no which is again understandable so uh whitecaps will also be playing at starlight stadium so (laughs) if you are from the island you are living it up right now because <laughs> february comes and you're getting some high octane games at starlight stadium more than you could maybe uh expect usually hosting uh the first mls uh t- american team to face a cpl team in orlando against cavalry and then a rematch of not only the league's cup clash that we saw earlier uh this season 2023 season where the Whitecaps lost against uh, Tigres in a penalty shootout, but also 2017 CONCACAF Champions League was the last time that Whitecaps faced Tigres as well. So, Island folk, you're uh, going to have a great time in February. Hopefully you guys can get those tickets and sell out the stadium because there's going to be some yeah. fantastic matches there. But looking at the ties, looking at the news now of where the venues are going to be, how do you think this changes the atmosphere around specifically, you know, obviously CPL podcasts, the CPL teams in Champions Cup because, you know, Cavalry aren't hosting for the the, the foot soldiers. They're, yeah. they're at, at Cofield. They're going to be 
how uh, you know the at, at the enemy ground basically in Pacific <laughs> FC uh, at Starlight Stadium. How do you think this kind of affects the way that maybe the broader audiences from Concacaf see Canadian soccer and CPL soccer? Yeah, it's hor- It's horrible for the fans of a cavalry. Like they finally get their get this qualification. And then CONCACAF just seem to forget about the western side of Canada and the weather that goes on there and decide to start the tournament a month earlier. Um, and it's, yeah, big changes around. And it, it's just, yeah, it's, it must be infuriating for those fans. And, and obviously the club's putting on uh, packages to try and get as many down there as they can. But, I mean, it's not... Life's not as uh, as affordable as it once was, I guess. So this is really going to affect uh, a lot of these a lot of these supporters' opportunities to be able to see their players play. They've fought throughout that season last year to get it. Um, so we just got to. I mean, hopefully we uh, we see them absolutely smash Orlando and continue back up to Echo for the second reg, and we'll uh, into the second round and we'll see uh, see who they get, but. Hopefully we can see, like you say, uh, a nice full stadium of sort of CPL fans backing the CPL side. Um, and that, that's as much as we want their own fans and hopefully as many as possible can get down there. Um, just need to get all the support for the league. It's, it's CPL versus MLS, um, the Canadian side against the American side. We need to build up that excitement um, across the island, and um, anyone who can get uh, anyone who can get there and really show show people like the passion for the league. Because even if it isn't in the home stadium for this team, if we can get if we if we get to experience and we get to see a full stadium, a loud stadium, and someone really people really cheering on this cavalry side, it'll be it's it'll be great for the league, and I'm sure it will help the players um push on and hopefully who knows what we'll see at the end of that uh with the uh once the game gets underway yeah uh i mean like you mentioned a great point there which is like obviously there's gonna be rivalries within cpl you know cavalry and pacific and cavalry and hamilton Mm -hmm. and all of these things but the at the end of the day you know, I'm sure Pacific fans will go and cheer on Cavalry because it is CPL against MLS and yeah. it's Canada <laughs> against the U.S. There are some things that are a bit bigger than the domestic league rivalries. I know some European uh, fans of European leagues might not agree, but <laughs> at least I believe here it, it very much is, you know, especially with such a young league. We want to see the best teams from the CPL perform well against the best teams of Mexico and the Caribbean and other Central America Mm. teams and the U.S. in this case against Orlando City and knowing as well that whoever wins this tie might be facing Tigres or Vancouver Whitecaps means that Calvary FC might be able to you know, get a, a rematch against the uh, against the Whitecaps this time in a different competition, on the Canadian Championship, and mm-hmm. maybe steal another win again there, or face a Mexican giant in Tigres if Tigres go through instead of the Whitecaps. So a lot of incentive there for Cavalry to perform. And yeah, I'm hoping that Cavalry, the 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 actual club, can sort out a situation where they can have travel packages for. Uh, all of the fans, especially supporters group, but as many fans as they can to be able to travel either to the island or even to Florida, if that's a more viable solution for them um, so that they can make sure that uh, fans, their own fans are there, the ones that bleed, you know, red for cavalry 
And it's not just, you know, some Pacific fans that are cheering on for, for CPL sides. <laughs> uh, either way, it's going to be a brilliant matchup. I'm so excited for, for that. But obviously, it was marred a little bit by this sad news. The, it was pretty funny to see Whitecaps fans kind of who are ridiculing Cavalry having to eat their words <laughs> a little bit there as they yeah. host as well. Um, but uh, enough about those two matches, uh, matchups. Let's talk about, you know, Forge FC as well, facing Chivas Guadalajara. Forge, arguably on the harder side of the bracket uh, with the teams that they have to face. There's, obviously, Chivas is a huge giant in themselves, but they might be facing a team like Club America in the next round as well. It doesn't get any easier for Forge if they manage to get through round one into the round of 16 Again, I was hoping that Forge would have a little bit of an easier tie so I could see them have a deep run in the in the tournament. But I'm sure a lot of the Forge diehard fans and the Forge players are going to be quite happy with the draw because they want to see them go against some of the very best teams from the get-go. They want to be underdogs. They want to be giant killers. They want to cause these, you know, Continental Cup upsets. And uh, there's few teams that you can, you know, be matched up against that uh, as much as Chivas that can grant you that that uh, that potential scenario of being giant killers. Uh, but for you, how how, you know, since you're a bit more pragmatic than me, you don't have maybe a little <laughs> bit of that bias uh, that I might have, though, as much as I try not to carry it in these podcasts, how much do you think Forge would have to do to actually reasonably get past Chivas and, and continue into the tournament? Or do you actually give them a, a fighting, a good fighting chance against the Mexican side? I mean, it's going to be so hard that this is their first game <laughs> like, for so many months um, to get such a, a side who will be in full flow, um, who who would have not had a bigger break, who have got these players who have got so much experience i mean you look look through their squad and um the the, the qualities obviously there they're on show and you've got players who've got mls experience you've got players who've got international experience european experience at some of the top levels um so it's 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 going to be exciting i think to to see these players um get the opportunity to go up against a a new style of play and a, a really high level quality style of play as well. Um I think that's what Forge, like you say, they're desperate for because they they um they are top side in, in the CPL, one of if not the best side in um in the Canadian Premier League. And they want to keep finding new challenges and they want to keep hitting new highs and you've got to go up against these teams to learn and build and continue to grow. I think it's it's hard to imagine them getting through with the budgets and the, the quality on the, on the, on paper that um, Chivas uh, have, but it's going to be a great learning experience for some of these. It's going to be a great opportunity for some of these Forge players to really put, I mean, players like Carl Becker, who's got plenty of experience, can really give everything to try and go toe-to-toe with these players again. And like, it, 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 there's, there's lots of different reasons for Forge players um to be excited for this and all all stages of their career and yeah i mean who knows what they can do up in tim horton's field um if they can get if they can surprise them somewhat who knows what will happen but um yeah it'll be difficult going down to mexico i think 
yeah it, it, <laughs> that is very much a, a tough draw in terms of going down to mexico it's not something it's something they've done before obviously cruz azul they've gone to you know they've been to the azteca before so it's yeah. something that they are, are it's not like it's completely new to them but yeah, it's it's obviously a very very tough draw, but yeah. as the, this very famous saying goes, football is played not on paper but on the pitch, and exactly. <laughs> you you never know with with continental football. It's the same thing with like European football. There are always upsets there that are that are in the making that that are just waiting to actually occur, and maybe Forge FC is that upset that we see against Chivas. Unfortunately, uh, I won't be able to actually be there for that because it coincides with the Whitecaps game. Um, <laughs> so I won't be able to be there live for that game, but I am going to be wait- watching that game as closely as I can to see mm-hmm. uh, the home leg, at least to see if uh, Forge can pull something out of the bag uh, before heading down to Mexico uh, for the deciding second match. But yeah, all, in the end, all three matches are fantastic matches. Mm. It's great to see two CPL sides in this competition. It's great to see them face some some top top opposition. You know that's what the the Concacaf Champions Cup is all about. And hopefully we get to see more than just one game at a home field for both teams. Hopefully they can push it a little bit more. But regardless of it's uh, like you mentioned, it's great experience for these teams as they try to grow not only for themselves but for the league to maybe close that gap between some of these uh domestic leagues that have been around longer in central america and the caribbean and in the united states and mexico so all around it's going to be a fantastic time if you have the ability to go to any of these games uh i implore you to go because uh you don't get to see these every day and it's going to be filled with some quality football and some uh quality players but now we're going to be moving into our last section of the episode which is going over the cpl team of the season this is the uh canadian premier league best 11 fueled by gatorade uh that <laughs> they announced uh a, a couple days ago um they should take a page out of our book we we try to be rigid in our formations but looking at the the photo <laughs> they went for you know uh very awkward three four like three four three narrow midfield Basically, three one two one three. Well, maybe they were listening and they put Ali Moosey as a wing back. Like, yeah. yeah, see, if you would, that's the thing. If you would have put Ali Moosey to wing back, I'm sure you could have made this a lot, a lot prettier. You know, they just had to, uh, to take some more risks, I believe. Um, but yeah, the CPL best eleven has come out, and we're gonna talk a little bit about some of the choices that they went with. I think obviously some names in there are. Obvious starters, obvious dead sets, uh, winners of their position, players like Dan Mimic, players like Dan Klomp, Lorenzo Caligari, Kyle Becker, uh, and Ali Musi. Some players that uh, you could argue should be definitely be there, like Ali Bassett, uh, maybe Manjikar James, uh, Manny Aparicio, and then a, a few other surprises. Uh, I know for me personally, I was surprised to see Taron Campbell be the striker for the the best striker and not the golden boot winner in Meyer Bevan. Um, Benny Betty Banga, obviously a fantastic impact player. He changed the game for mm. Forge when he came in. But, you know, I feel like if we're going to look at half a season's worth of thing of, of, of body of work and have that determine it, I felt like maybe you look at the first half of the season, what Amon Salouf did for Pacific and maybe you yeah. argue he should be there as well. And, 
Yeah, Tristan Henry, uh, again, he he is a, a very, like, he's a Hollywood goalkeeper. He's made some, he makes some incredible saves. He can decide games for Forge, but he also has a, a couple of uh, flukes and a couple of flaws in him. And mm-hmm. I feel for players like Marco Carducci, who I think across all games, he's a, been a bit more of a solid goalkeeping yeah. choice. But I can understand why Tristan Henry's there. Obviously, he's, a, again, a fellow day winner. Uh, for 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 Justin and one of the being he's been one of the top goalkeepers in the league since the league started. But for you, Mike, any other surprises? Any other players you you think should have been in there over some of these players, or do you agree with what the CPL came out with? Yeah, I mean, are you any Baddy Banga? Like you can't. I'm not I'm not suggesting his uh, second half of the season wasn't. Uh, it's definitely a name that could was, I'd have around there, but I mean, you mentioned I'm in Salouf again, half the season was really good. Massimo Ferrin was fantastic all throughout. <laughs> I really like, I really would have, um, I wouldn't have been surprised to have seen his his name there instead. Um, but yeah, these other guys, yeah, which, um, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, look away. Taron Campbell. I think the, the the thing, like you say, maybe Maya Bevan, but Maya Bevan, I think, scored more penalties and had longer runs without goals um, where he wasn't affecting the game. And it was Gotti Antigne and Ali Moussi who were sort of carrying the, the attack at times, possibly. That, that's maybe the argument you could say for Terran mm. Campbell. I think what it kind of highlighted was the fact that the midfield and those attacking midfielders were the most dangerous across the league for goals like that that was where the opportunities were coming from we didn't have like um uh, we didn't have players strikers that were consistent throughout like all of them had these patches where they would just drift away and you you just you, they couldn't buy a goal and then they got their form back again at times um whereas some of these other players and you look at Ali Musi, Ali Bassett, Aparicio Carbeca at no point did they have a down point in this season yeah no, like you mentioned, it was a bit of a funny season in that it was a, a season mm. where mostly midfielders and wingers were the shining stars of the league and strikers kind of Stand fell a little somehow. bit. Yeah, <laughs> took a little bit of backseat, fell under the radar there. Um, but overall with the team, yeah, I would say a, a very solid 11. You, like you mentioned, maybe a few arguments here and there, but I think for the most part, can't really argue with the players and the personnel that they chose. Uh, what is uh, maybe not surprising, but uh, is uh, is an, an interesting fact nonetheless, is that uh, no players from neither York, Vancouver, or Valor. Uh, obviously, it was dominated mostly by Forge players. Forge had five players in there. Um, Cavalry had two. Uh, Halifax had two. Pacific had one, and Ottawa had one. No players from. York, Vancouver, or Valor, despite York making the playoffs, still no players for them in the in the team of the season. A little fun question that Mike has devised here is that who from these sides do we think might have a bad the best shot at making the CPL team of the season at the end of 2024? And since this is your question, Mike, I will turn it on to you first. Who from any of those three sides do you think might be sneaking into the team of the season uh, by the end of next year? All right. Um, all right. Shall I take one and then you take another? Or how, how yeah, go for this? it. Let's do that. Go on. And I'll, um, 
I'll kick off with York, and I'm going to say Ozaze de Rosario. Mm. Uh, I just think last year it just didn't happen for him, uh, and twenty like this wasn't his year in 2023. After looking, after showing some signs of excitement the year before, and thinking, yeah, if he can build on this, let's see what can happen. I think now with this, if with this new ownership group, things settle down a bit more in the, in um, at the club. They get a bit of a better identity of who they want to be. If he's the man that's going to lead the line and they can find a way to be a little bit more consistent throughout this season, they should be able to find him and find find him opportunities. Um, he, he showed a little bit brief spells again towards the end of the season where you thought, okay, maybe he's going to get a run, but it didn't quite work out. And they uh, obviously, obviously went out in the first round of the playoffs. Um I just think, yeah, if they can support, if they can provide him with the opportunities, I think he's a player that could really stand out next season. Fair shout, fair shout. I went with uh, Noah Batne from <laughs> from York. I feel like you know he's shown that he's a really good one of the best center backs at York. If Martin Nash can get his defense and you know his team and defensive transitions a bit more structured, a bit more organized. I think he could be a large reason why York could go, you know, even better than this season, which is being their best season, and and maybe impress a bit more is because of a player like Noah Batney, a young center back who might be playing that Dan Nimick role as a very important centerpiece for the team. So I could see him maybe sneaking into the defense, especially if we don't see the likes of Dan Nimick or Dan Klomp in the CPL next year, which we have no ideas of yet, but <laughs> maybe if not, then maybe a player like Noah Batney might make it into the uh, CPL team of the year at the end of 2024. What about for Vancouver? Who have you gone for Vancouver who might sneak into that best 11 that's a tough one it's uh they've got a lot of quite exciting players at times but towards the end of the season you saw really sort of picking up um a bit of a better identity of who they want to be which makes you think some of these players who are on the uh roster now who will be there in 2024 really in a like in a really good position to push on i'm gonna go with Caden Chung, I think when he comes back next season fully fit, um, I think now this club is in a much better position than they were when they were starting him <laughs> when he came in. Um, there's a lot better um, opportunities around him. If he does end up continuing at right back, um, I think he, he's just really well suited to it. Um, it would be nice if he can get back in the middle. I think... I want to, there's other players I won't jump I won't shout any names because I think some of you you may pick one or two of these um but they're in very competitive positions across the league to be uh, trying to shimmy out some of these other players um which is why I think Caden Chum might um might surprise us um really really take a huge step next season yeah, and I, I think I'm going to choose a player that is in a very contentious position, but nonetheless, <laughs> I feel like has the ability to do to be able to break into that best eleven, and that is Gabby Batar. Uh, for yeah, that's who I was gonna say as well. <laughs> yeah, just he had an, a very, very solid uh second half of the season, enough, I think, to warrant some shouts for this season's best 11. Because ever since you know that summer recruitment that Vancouver was able to to do, uh, and bring in some of these players like Cantav and Renan Garcia and Vasco Fry and the like. Uh, he got freed up a lot more. He had a lot more space to contend with. He wasn't the sole focus for the attack. He 
he had uh more ability to influence the game because there were other players that were as dangerous as him so he's stepped up and mm-hmm. uh he had multiple you know team of the week nominations uh and he even got i think maybe a player he didn't win a player of the month i believe but he got nominated for one uh and he's just a fantastic player overall and i can really see him now that afshin's got an idea of what kind of football he wants his team to play what kind of personnel he needs i could see him being a very important part for uh vancouver fc in the coming season and you never know you know as, as tough as it is especially if players like ollie bassett kyle becker and manny aparicio are in the uh the league uh next year obviously very tough to be able to uh dethrone one of those three i still think he has a a shout he could be potentially be that kind of player but uh last but not least your boys and valor uh, who do you think potentially might be a best 11 quality player for 2024? Yeah, I guess um, this is really it. You're going to have to guess ahead as to who's still going to be on the team. <laughs> but so I'm gonna, I think on uh, either end of the um, pitch, I think there are players who could really have a um, a big impact. I'm going to go for the... Um, for the attacking end and go with Sean Hondel. I think when he gets this opportunity to be the center forward, um, depending on how this build goes, if they, uh, if they can get just a little, just anything out of him that he showed at the beginning of the season with um, Vancouver last year, they've got uh, the center forward that they were missing all year. Um, so I think he, the way they're changing, the way they're bringing in new players in this attacking lineup, and he's very much in a position to um to really uh, step up and kick on with the goals because if uh, Diaz hadn't turned up and Sean Honda was given a full season in Vancouver, his uh, his goal tally would have been a lot different, I think, uh, on that side. So yeah, given that chance in the centre forward role, let's uh, let's see what he can do in twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be I think uh, one of my choices as well, but mm. I'm going to go with the other end of the pitch. In goalkeeping, in Ryan Yesley, I think mm. from what he showed this season, he was a very, very solid keeper despite his young age. And um, genuinely, I think one of the most underrated uh, players as well in that goalkeeping position. I think he has the capability to, you know, compete with the likes of Marco Carducci, Tristan Henry, uh, even players like Nathan Ingham and, mm. and Jan Fillion or Nico Giansopoulos to to be one of the best, if not the best goalkeeper in the league. And depending on what kind of Valor team we see next season, <laughs> since it's very much up in the air right now, uh, he might have his work cut out for him again, or he might be able to have a bit more of a settled defense and therefore mm-hmm. be a bit more protected and save himself for those big moments that they really need him and establish establish himself as a very good shot stopper, which he already is thanks to mm-hmm. his large frame the the yeah. very tall man um but yeah that's who i went with with a potential uh best 11 player for 2024 but that is all for this week thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast episode uh this will be likely our last episode of the year we're probably going to be going on a two-week break i am going to be going back to ontario with my family uh to celebrate the holidays and that bring some chaos for scheduling <laughs> anything during the yeah. holiday period. Uh, I'm sure you are the, the same yeah, with your exactly. family in England. 
so in case we don't see you guys in the uh in the next the next week or so uh, the last few weeks of the year we would like to wish you you know uh, happy holidays merry christmas and happy new year and we will see you for our 50th episode our first episode likely of 2024 we will have something definitely special for you for our big 50th episode and if you want to see what we do for our 50th episode then you make sure to follow us on all of our socials so you can maybe give suggestions on what we should do for our celebratory episode or your thoughts and opinions on everything that we chat about today and maybe if it's a a good one we'll uh, tweet about it or talk about it on the next episode but until next time and potentially next year i'm felipe ojejo and i'm mike rice and this has been coast to coast signing out